0: Good morning, everybody. I've had a uh, really interesting weekend. Um, basically, what's happened is that I now drive Joel's truck. I hang out at his house all day and <laughs> with his kids. And I've just, I'm just i preaching, so I took over Joel's role. Um, so right now, this is what I want you guys to know. Look at me. <laughs> I am the captain now. That's uh, it's the reality. Um, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Joel has vanished. Uh, We don't know where he went. No, just kidding. What happened was that they're having a marriage retreat this weekend, so the building's a little bit more empty than usual because a lot of married folks are gone. That's okay. Now it's our non-married people. It's our time to shine, time to take over this service. Um, But, you know, we've been doing a series on love, and it's been really amazing. Today we're kind of taking a break from it, but to be honest, it's it's very connected to the idea of love anyways, what we're going to talk about. Um, Before we jump into it, I'd like to pray for this sermon. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, just so grateful for this opportunity to speak. So grateful for this family. Really an amazing family. And um, just the singing was was really moving for me today, Lord. I pray that we can all connect with you and and know your truth and really follow you. Um, And Lord, I pray that this sermon can be of value to your kingdom and to your family, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, I... I hope you guys permit me a little bit of foolishness today. You know the Bible calls it foolish to boast, so I'm going to boast a little bit today. Um, I want to boast about my family because I do this to people all the time. They kind of get annoyed, I feel like, but I just do it anyways. So I got a bunch of pictures up here. You guys can see. I don't have pictures of all my family. Some of them got left out. Um, so yeah, it's good for some of them. They need to be left out sometimes. But so that's my grandpa, That's Grandpa Marino Uh He's what we call a bohunk. So. Well, he passed away in 1999, but he's a bohunk. It means he's from Croatia. People decided they were going to make fun of Croatians and call them bohunks, and they just took it on as a, like, a, like a, awesome nickname. And so my football coach in high school was a bohunk. They're usually short and like angry. Um, I think that's where bohunk comes from. I'm not really sure. You know, and he was quite the guy. He built his own house while living in the basement that he built. Um, he was an iron miner, World War II veteran, really impressive man. Unfortunately, I didn't get to know him very well, but he was apparently also very happy, even though I, I always thought of him as angry because whenever he was eating dinner, he would, he would yell at my grandma to sit down and eat with us because she was always just like tinkering with stuff. And it's like, what are you doing, grandma? Sit down. <laughs> she wouldn't do it. I don't know why. She was really anxious about many things. Is this working? There we go. That's my dad. Uh, you see the tiny lady? That's his grandma. My dad is like my height. He's like six foot six. But his entire family is like this tall. Um, I don't know, he was adopted, so it just worked out that way, um, but it always cracked me up because it's like you go visit my grandma, and she's like five foot two, and here's my monster dad just <laughs> towering over her, and my grandpa was like five six. I don't know, they're just really small Eastern Europeans, you know, but uh, yeah, that's my dad, my dad was, I want to boast about my dad, my dad was actually drafted in the NHL, extremely good hockey player, he played forward at 6'6", that's pretty impressive, usually when you're that big, you're just the bruiser who, you know, plays defense, but he, he was a forward. I remember going to watch him one time, and, my, and I was just watching him. My dad scored like 10 goals on these guys at the rec center. <laughs> I was just laughing. I was like five, and I was like, you losers. My dad's the best. So I like to boast about my dad because he's just a very hardworking guy. you know. And he he kind of has that Bohunk spirit. He speaks a little bit of Croatian sometimes. It's hilarious um, because it sounds totally not American. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. Kakuide. It's like, what does that mean? It's so weird. Don't say that anymore. But that's how my dad is. You know, he's just an extremely good athlete. Um, And that's my grandma. That's my dad's mom. And that's my little brother, two of my brothers. That's my brother Cole. That actually might be me. (laughs) I don't know. He looks like he has red hair. It could be me. But uh, that's my grandma. My grandma was amazing. She went to the church constantly to pray for the family. She was just always there praying on our behalf. And she even, she loved my grandpa so much when he passed away, she cut out his uh, driver's license picture and put it on her nightstand (laughs) So she could look at it. Um, really, something else. That's my little brother. Oh my God. It's uh, yeah. You guys love his hair. I love it. Um, that that's Logan. He's like six foot three. He's the tiny one in the family, uh, but he's also the strongest one. He bench presses like three hundred pounds. He's an amazing football player, but he quit. He doesn't play in college. He should have. He's really good. Um, and he's just a he's a good kid. He he looks like my dad when he was younger, except for smaller and you know more muscular. Um. But, you know, I don't have pictures of my brothers, I wish I did, but my other brothers, but I have I have two other brothers, or sorry, how many brothers do I have? <laughs> Three brothers, yeah, that's right. So my older brother, Cole, he's like six foot eight, He he's like 200, well he was, normally he's like 260 pounds, right now he's like 220 pounds. Kid was so, like if he would have played football, he'd be playing, I swear he could have played professional, like he's so big and he's faster than I am, and I was pretty good, and he just quit because he was really skinny in eighth grade. He was like 100 pounds. Um, so everybody in my family is super athletic. My, my younger brother, Dalton, who's like 6'7", is one of the best basketball players I know. He literally shoots like 45% from three, and he's 6'7". I mean, it's amazing. Um, you know, and my uncle, my uncle Tim, he's about 6'6". Six, six. He played, um, I just love boasting about our height. I just love how big we are. Um, he's like 6'6". Six six. He played for the Gophers back in high school, or in college. Golden Gophers, and he was an All-American basketball player, Um, averaged like 24 points and 14 rebounds in high school, just amazing. Uh, My mom was a basketball player in college. Everybody's just really good athletes, and then there's me, like kind of mediocre. Like if you guys had seen me at the gym yesterday, some of you did, it was just ugly. Like I airballed so many shots, I was just like barely able to move. And so my family's really, really special to me. And, you know, I don't have time to tell you about everybody in my family because there's a lot of people. But they all have, like one of my cousins is a really good race car driver. Like it's just weird. We have a lot of skills. Um, but my grandpa, I really want to talk about my grandpa today. My grandpa David. Um, I don't have a picture of him right now, but he uh, he was probably the best basketball player in the family. He's like six foot five. Everybody's huge. It's just lovely. And and he he could like he was like 65 years old, and I saw him hit like 23 pointers in a row. Like he's so good. And he knew everything about basketball. He could. You could go and ask him a question. Hey, where would so-and-so play high school? He'd be like, oh, yeah, Ames, Iowa, blah, blah, blah. He'd tell you all their stats. It's like, how do you know all this stuff? He literally had, like, a whole wall of filing cabinets full of basketball programs from every state since, like, 19-something or other. Like, like thousands of these things. And he just knew, like, he could watch an NFL game and be like, that guy played for this high school in basketball in this year. And you're like, how do you know that? Because he just loved basketball. He really knew basketball. But he was a really great grandpa. You know, he was... Actually, when I think about it, he was my closest friend outside of this church, and that's kind of weird, because I didn't realize that until after he passed away, and there's sort of this connection for me with my grandpa in this building, because I found out that he passed away in the basement, and I wasn't here very often. It was uh, Will and Roslin's wedding, June 25th, 2015, 16, I don't remember, last year, and you know, he passed away. I got a text from a friend because I was, I was the best man, so I was getting ready to do my speech and whatever else. I had, had, somebody else had to iron my shirt for me. It was a good time because um, I didn't realize that it needed to be ironed. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and so here I am sitting in the basement. And a friend text me, hey, I'm sorry about your grandpa. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, Because I knew that he was sick, but he was still alive. And he was living with my family. And I uh, found out that he passed away. So we did the ceremony, and then I did my best man speech, and then I went home. And uh, you know, got to be with my family, but that was really hard for me because I talked to my grandpa every week. We'd call him up, hey, grandpa, how you doing? You know, and I, and I went through a lot of uh, a lot of pain through all that, and I still do. I mean, today it was it's so weird we sang "How Great Thou Art," and that was the song we sang at my grandpa's funeral. You know, and and through all that, I, I just really struggled with with a certain question. You know, in Matthew eight twenty three twenty seven. Okay, you could turn there, but it's up on the screen as well. Um, you know, the disciples are in a boat, and, and uh, they're going across the lake. It's actually a, basically a sea, it's kind of like one of the Great Lakes, Sea of Galilee. And in verse 23, it says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose so oh him is Jesus, there arose a great storm on the sea. So that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So here the disciples are. They're going through this really difficult time, right? I mean, they're afraid for their lives. They're in this storm. And, they, and they're saying, save us, Lord. We're perishing. And Jesus is just asleep. He's just asleep in the boat. I don't know how you sleep through a big storm, but Jesus is a pretty calm guy. So he's sleeping. And you can imagine, they're starting to wonder, does he even care? You know, look at him. He's just sleeping. Look at us. We're fighting for our lives. Does he even care? And I think we we can act the same way towards God a lot of times. You know, it's does God even care about what I'm going through and the situation that I'm experiencing? You know? And... And for me, that's how I felt when, when my grandpa passed away. I, I was tempted at times to ask, does God even care? And I wrestled with that question a lot. How does God relate to the situation that I find myself and my family in? You know, where's he at? What's he doing? And I really started to study out this thing It's called the suffering of God. You know, because we, there's, a, there's sort of a, we understand that Jesus suffered a lot, but we don't always look at the Old Testament to see where that comes from, you know, because because they're, like uh, Ellen and Zach talked about, it's amazing how God works all this out. God is the same. So if Jesus suffered, the Father must also suffer. And, and there's just this amazing continuity in the scripture. So in Jeremiah chapter 8. If you could turn there, that would be excellent. Jeremiah chapter 8. So I'm wrestling with this question, and I'm honestly just, all last year I spent a lot of time Thinking about it. I even considered writing a book about it. What happened? Oh. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 18. So, there's this interesting thing that the Bible translators do. They love to put in their little headers, right? They have chapters, they have verses, and they have these headers that are supposed to describe for you what's going on. And sometimes I think they're the opposite of helpful because they insert their own ideas about what it means rather than what it really says. And I believe that this passage, is, they, they say, it says, my header says, Jeremiah grieves for his people. And so we read it and we assume this is Jeremiah talking, not God. But I actually think when I read this, so this is God talking. And so, and we don't want to take this too far, but that is very weird. Okay, I'm just going to read something. I think this is not correct for some reason. Not your fault, Ellen. Probably my fault. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 18. Mine says, My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Behold, the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and breadth of the land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in here? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images and with their foreign idols? So here God is talking, but their header says Jeremiah is talking, so it's kind of confusing. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved, for the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn, and dismay has taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. So God here, he seems to be mourning through his prophet. He's mourning that his people have sinned, and now there's this evil that comes upon them. And that's what happens to us in our lives. You know, there's sin in our lives, and evil comes upon us, and God mourns for that. You know, God has always been a mourner. And that doesn't mean that God is controlled by his emotions, like we can be sometimes, right? We let our emotions dictate what we're going to do. God isn't controlled by his emotions, but he feels deeply. And he always has, in the Old Testament, all the way through to the New in Genesis 6, 5 and 6, it says that God was grieved to his heart because of the evil that was over the world. God was grieved. And so God does grieve. And there's a lot of theologians that say God doesn't feel. They actually describe God, literally, I'm not kidding, as apathetic, which means without feeling. That He doesn't feel. He doesn't care. And it's bizarre because, because they basically have this idea that God is so transcendent that, that he doesn't feel. But the Bible constantly says that he does. And I could show you scripture after scripture. God is grieved to His heart. God is hurt. God is cut by this. And it's not exactly like us, but it's very similar, right? We're made in God's image, and so we feel things that God also feels. You know, and and the word apathetic. How could you describe God that way? Like that's just insane. God is obviously not apathetic. Um, you know, so He feels pain. And when my grandpa passed away, I was I was tempted to think that God didn't care. And I really struggled with that question, like. Not so much that God didn't care about other people, but did God care about my family? You know, the people that I'm close to. And I always, I, I always, after I study this out, I'd always go back to these verses. And let's go to Isaiah. Okay, we most of us know this verse really well. These verses, Isaiah 53, verse one. Okay, so we have God the Father who's feeling pain in Jeremiah, and you can see that in Hosea. You can see it all over the prophets, especially. Um, But it's not just him, you know, it's the son as well. In Isaiah 53, we have this amazing, beautiful description of Jesus. It says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. That's how people treat the father as well, right? Israel constantly rejecting God. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. When we go through pain and suffering, God also feels that. That's literally what it says. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus suffered a great deal at the cross. And if Jesus suffered, God the Father also suffered. But why? Why did he suffer like that? So that we could be healed. You know, we don't necessarily choose when we suffer. It just kind of happens. I think that God chooses to suffer for our sake. You know, it's not like God in the beginning was just always suffering before he created us. No, it's actually (laughs) oftentimes us that caused him sorrow. But he definitely has a great deal of sorrow. You know, and some of the things that cause God to suffer, the first one, above all else, is sin. God feels that deeply, that pain and that sorrow of sin and what it does to people, how it destroys lives, it destroys marriages, it destroys homes. And, And God feels that pain. And that's ultimately why Jesus had to bear our sorrows, right? Why he had to bear our griefs. Because we created them. Because we decided that we were going to sin against him constantly. In constant rebellion. And God has to do something about it. You know, and I think it, it not only causes God's sorrow, though. It also brings his wrath, right? I mean, I don't have kids. But if I had kids and something was harming my children, there would be some wrath coming. Some serious wrath. You know, I'd be channeling that big pull of blood. I'd be like, get out of You know, like my dad, one time there was a possum. And it like attacked uh, my friend, we were all in the woods just hanging out, and there's a possum there. My dad grabs, of all things, a hockey stick and beat the possum to death. <laughs> and I was like, he grabbed a hockey stick. What a beast. Like, it's <laughs> just a legend. He literally just goes, do you know what's my best tool? Hockey stick. And he just yoinks it. And he used to do that to chipmunks, too. Uh, they would just come running across, because the, they were infesting the house. So they would come running across, and he'd just smack them with a hockey stick, which is pretty impressive. Um, But that's my dad's wrath against the possum. That really is not much of a threat to a a person. It was kind of pretending to be dead, but my dad just took it out. (laughs) He's like, you're not going to touch my kids. And that's how God feels about sin. Because it causes him so much pain to see his children in pain. You know? So God had to do something about it. And in Jeremiah, over and over, there's, there's this phrase that comes up. Should I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? So God feels sorrow for them. At the same time, he says, but I can't hold back my wrath against the sin and it makes me think about about us as individuals and as a family when we sin you know we we crucify jesus and you know joel the other day we were talking with with uh alec barberg actually we're talking about the cross and stuff and and joel goes you know you know how i would feel if i sacrificed my son jackson for you and you said Thanks. That's really great. You know what? I'll give you a Sunday every once in a while. Thank you so much for sacrificing your son. I'll I'll get some ooey-gooey's when we sing the music. But that's about it, right? How would you feel about that if that was your kid? You would be like, should I not avenge myself on such a person as this? Shouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? Look at them, just in utter rebellion. And that's not that's not to say that God doesn't care. It's actually to say that He cares deeply. Because he cares, he has to do something about sin. But, you know, I'm struggling with this idea, does God even care? And I'm looking at these passages, I'm like, yeah, it's, it seems that he does. And then we went to my grandpa's funeral. We had a service. He sang how great they are. And then Steve Sandin came up, and he did a message for us. It was really a great message. My whole family, most of them aren't Christians. They were, like, so grateful for Steve and the message that he gave. And Steve actually was trying to study the Bible with my grandpa before he passed away. And my grandpa's faith was really, was really growing a while um, my uncle who is a, an, he's a total jock <laughs> he actually wrote a poem my uncle does not write poems but he wrote a poem about my grandpa's faith and how I, I pray that my uncle will come to faith through that you know I love my uncle I love my whole family and I pray for them every day but um, you know so Steve did a message at the, at the funeral and, and sometimes you just don't know what to say to people like you know my grandpa passed away what are you supposed to say In John 11, let's go over there. Let's look at how Jesus responds. Okay, how does does Jesus feel about these things? In verse 33. So basically what happens is that um, this guy named Lazarus passes away. He dies. And Lazarus' sister sent for Jesus to come. And Jesus shows up, and they're sort of uh, weeping for Lazarus. They're mourning for him. And this is how Jesus responds in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? So Jesus comes. And Jesus does raise Lazarus from the dead. It's amazing. He it brings him back to life. And so these people who are asking these questions, their lack of faith is revealed. But Jesus, he weeps, even though he probably knew. I assume that he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, and yet still he wept. Because he felt the pain of everyone there, and he loved Lazarus deeply. You know, and so Steve shared that, and he said, you know what? Jesus is weeping with you right now. And there was nothing that he could have said that would have been better than that for me in that moment, to know that God cared about my grandpa more than I ever did. And I cared about my grandpa deeply. And God did more for my grandpa to help him come to faith and, than I ever could. Because I was beating myself up, man. I blew it. I, I should have done this. I should have visited him like I said I was going to. Because he had pancreatic cancer for five years. He was tough as nails, man. He was an old. <laughs> he was kind of a stubborn dude. He would come over. And uh, I love this. And, you know, my grandpa would come over. He'd he to watch us play basketball. That was his favorite thing to do. So he would come for games. He'd drive like three hours to come to the games. He'd stay for like three days. The first day, all, he's just pure joy. He's so happy to be there. He's like, it's so good to see you guys. Day two, he's kind of like, what, why are you interrupting me? I'm watching Judge Judy. Like, go away. <laughs> you know, and then day three, he just leaves because <laughs> he can't handle it anymore. My grandpa kind of had this, you know, he's kind of a crotchety old guy, but he was, he was a loving guy. And he was really stubborn and tough. And so he's battling with pancreatic cancer for five years. And he was only supposed to live for like a month or something like that. Just a tough old man. And and my grandpa, you know, kind of the last month of his life, I asked him if he wanted to start studying the Bible a little bit. And so Steve and I went down there once. But I remember he asked me if I could pick him up for church on Sundays. You know, and it was like two hours away, so I'd have to drive two hours and come back. And I was in the in the church staff at the time so i always had meetings and stuff and i always had some reason or another that i couldn't do it that sunday and for about three weeks maybe a month that's what would happen i'd be like i should pick up my grandpa this sunday because he wants to come to church you know and then i would be like well no i have this in that meeting i can't do it and at the end of the day who cares about meetings <laughs> i should have picked up my grandpa and i was beating myself up about stuff like that and then i realized you know what that does matter and i should have but god loved my grandpa more than i ever could so He would have found a way, you know. God was working, despite my lack of love in that situation. Um, You know, and so simply knowing that Jesus cares more than I ever could is such a comfort to me. Because some of us, we're going through difficult times. People are sick. People are passing away. It's it's constant in our world. And Jesus cares about those situations. Don't doubt that. Because when the disciples were doubting that, Jesus said, you have little faith. Because they didn't understand God's character. His love, right? And so this was immensely comforting for me, and it made me realize that, you know, I don't think that God needs to learn how to do anything, but God's God's own suffering enables us to receive his comfort much more readily. Right? When you think about somebody who, you know, and, and we can be kind of snooty about this, like, I've had a hard life. What about you? You know, but when you think about somebody who who thinks about, all the suffering that they've been through, it actually helps when somebody else who's been through a lot comes up and says, hey, let me let me give you some words, because they know that they understand. And so I think God's suffering equips us to accept his comfort. But God already knew how to comfort before he experienced the suffering that we brought to him. But now, you know, we're able to accept it more readily. But let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 3. Okay, so my point is this, this is just a, just amazing verses. Verse three through four. It says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts." who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, all of us are going to face difficult times in our life. We're going to face suffering. We're going to face the death of loved ones. We're going to face broken relationships and all sorts of things. And God is the God of all comfort. When I turn to God for comfort, it just makes me feel so much better because god loves me so much and he loves the people that are struggling in our lives you know he loves he loved my grandpa really he did and i'm so grateful for that you know and he loved my grandma who passed away the year before that on christmas day he loves my whole family and i know that god will strive to bring them into his family so i should fight for that as well because i want to be like him amen but I know that God is working. And when we're comforted by God, one of the purposes is that we can bring that comfort to others. You know, God, it's this overflowing comfort that we have, that we can go to others and say, God is merciful. Let me show you how I know that. Let me show you this truth so that you can be comforted as well. You know, it's not something that we just receive and keep to ourselves, and we shouldn't. That would be wrong. That would be selfish. that we overflow and we give it to others as well. You know, and some of us in this family, we're experiencing really difficult times. People's grandparents are sick. There's just all sorts of stuff going on. Guys, we need to strive to be comforted by God. We need to trust that he really does care about these situations because he does, and I've experienced that, and we need to strive to give that comfort to each other. You know, when somebody needs something, just step up. Do it. You know, it's not always easy. You know, sometimes it's like, well, that's not convenient. Well, it wasn't convenient for me to go to Austin, Minnesota, spam capital of the world and pick up my grandpa but I should have he's the God of all comfort you know and and don't allow yourself to be taken in by these lies from Satan that God doesn't care he absolutely does even if you don't understand what he's doing God cares and also you know Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 says this interesting thing about how God has experienced difficulty and therefore we should not give in to sin God has experienced this pain. You can look and read it exactly what it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. But the idea is that we should look to that and say, you know what? I can overcome this trial, this temptation, because God has suffered for me. He's been on my team from day one. And, And we can never quit on God. You know, sometimes we're tempted to quit on God. Well, he didn't do this, and I asked him to. Well, you're not as smart as him, and you don't know what he's doing, you know? You don't control everything in the universe. I would love to give you that responsibility and see how things go. It would be awful. I mean, sometimes I like to get all big-headed, and it's like, wait, what if I was actually in charge? What if I actually was the captain of this church? We'd be in trouble, guys. So if I can't handle this church, I certainly can't handle the universe. So, you know, I understand that temptation to question God and what he's doing, but it's just kind of foolish. It's kind of foolish because you don't even know What's going to happen tomorrow? How are you going to control anything? And God loves more than we could ever love. Always remember that. God loves the people in your lives more than you could ever love. You should be praying because you know that God cares. It moves me to pray. It moves me to sing songs. You know, I've learned so much through the passing of my grandparents because I've learned how to comfort others. I've learned what it means to experience great pain. And God has used that for his glory. God has used that used me through that hopefully to comfort some other people. And God is he's just so wise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's all I got for today.